I'm going to ask you to find your place in 1 Kings 17. Before we get started, though, I want to share a, a personal testimony. Back in 1981, and for you all, that's probably the Stone Ages, but anyhow, I joined the U.S. Army, and when I did, they sent me to boot camp, otherwise known as basic training, and let me say that the only time that I ever ran was from the house to the car, and only then when it was raining. Anyhow, uh, so to say the least, I wasn't a well-prepared, battle-ready soldier in those early days. In fact, when I got there, I, I could do a few push-ups, you know, I could do a few sit-ups and run a little and walk a little, but uh, like everybody else, I wasn't quite ready for what I was about to experience. In fact, when we first got to the, the basic training station, we arrived on a bus and we were greeted by a very warm, loving, gentle, compassionate drill sergeant <laughs> who did a chin-up in the window of my uh, seat and he said to me, get off this bus. So I did. And I got my duffel bag on my back. It weighed about as half as much as I did in those days. Uh, and uh, he said, you've got 10 seconds to get to the top of that hill and nine are already gone. So I started running as fast as I could. Uh, I ran up the hill, and by the time I got up there, I was exhausted, and I was about to put my duffel bag down, and he said, if you put that bag down, get on down with it, which meant do push-ups for the bag. Needless to say, the next uh, about 12 or 16 weeks or so was a lot worse than that day was. In fact, you know, they issued us a M16 rifle, we got to shoot uh, rocket uh, grenade launchers. We got to throw grenades. Uh, we got to do a lot of things. We went to the gas chamber one time. Uh, but most of all, we did push-ups, sit-ups, running, and marching. Uh, in fact, one time we marched through a swamp, and it was a mess. And for day after day, after week, after week, after a month, it was just like that. In fact, when I first got there, as I mentioned before, I didn't do a lot of running, and so the first run was not even half a mile, but I can barely make that. I lag behind some. But by the end of July that year, and by the way, I did basic in the hottest time of the year in Alabama. But on the last day, I was going home. I knew that. It was early in the morning. We were on the run again. And the drill surgeons tried to just mess with our heads. They tried to run us ragged. But by that time, I could take anything they dished out. Because the army, using hardship and turmoil and difficulty, transposed uh, us from an ordinary person on the street into a battle-ready soldier. They used difficulty and what I thought were trials and difficulties to simply prepare us to defend our nation. And with that in mind, let's read our text today. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would, out of respect for the Word of God. 1 Kings chapter 17 and beginning in verse 1. The Bible says in 1 Kings 17, verse 1, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, 
And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much today for these students, for this faculty, for this college. And Lord, we do pray our greatest blessings, your greatest blessings upon them meet every need. But Father, as we look into this passage of Scripture and others like it, Lord, please speak to our hearts in a personal way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we read this passage today, uh, in fact, I want you to notice verse 3 again. Uh, Again, God said to Elijah, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And then God said, I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he did and went and did according to the saying of God. Uh, This passage, though, occurred uh, in a very imperative time for Elijah. In fact, I want you to consider two different manners in which Elijah was identified here. In fact, in verse 1 again there, the Bible identifies Elijah as Elijah the Tishbite. The word Tishbite there actually describes for us an inhabitant of a place called Tishbeth and Gilead. Uh, But it tells us that this is Elijah the Tishbite. But as you read on down the rest of the chapter, and we won't take time to do that today, but notice verse 24 if you would. The Bible tells us that there was this widow woman that Elijah, of course, had helped with her faith. And after ministering to her, the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God. While in verse 1 he was called Elijah the Tishbite, but listen, he became known as the man of God. But I want to tell you this, that title did not come without some stress and trial in his life. Uh, And the point I'm making is, don't expect to be identified as a man of God or a woman of God without going through trial and hardship. It doesn't happen that way. Now, by the way, most of us tries to avoid hardship. That's true. They're never fun. Uh, And when hardships come, we always look for ways to maybe get around that. But listen, God uses things like trials and difficulty to mold our character. He uses problems in our life to get us to learn one 
fundamental lesson, and that is to trust God above everything else. But before we look at the problems that Elijah went through, we need to get some context here. Because in that day, uh, Elijah ministered in Israel in a very difficult time. In fact, you'll notice in verse 1 again there, uh, we are reintroduced to a man named Ahab. In fact, it tells us there that God, uh, that uh, uh, Elijah, he, he went and spoke to Ahab, uh, this, this king of Israel. And if you've studied Ahab's life, then you know that he was a godless man. He was a man who had forsaken God. In fact, notice in verse uh, chapter 16, verse 28, rather, verse 28 there in chapter 16, it tells us that after Omri slept with his fathers, he died and was buried. Ahab, his son, reigned in his stead. And in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. He was the son of Omri, and he, 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 he served as king 22 years. But notice, he did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. I mean, this guy was wicked. In fact, in verse 31, we're told that he married uh, Jezebel, this wicked king, a uh, uh, wicked daughter of a king uh, of Ethbel, and uh, what a wicked woman she was. And in verse 33, it says that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings that were before him. So this man was a national leader, but a godless one, and he did all he could to influence Israel to walk away from Jehovah God. And of course they did. Uh, and, you, you know, in my way of thinking, sometimes as goes the leadership in a nation, often so goes the nation. But be that as it may, Israel was in a spiritual mess under his leadership, and God was angry with them. But I'm so thankful for Elijah, aren't you? Man, God used Elijah to turn the hearts of the Lord's people back to him. But let me say this, young people, God had a plan for him much like he has a plan for each of you. See, God's plan for Elijah was to use him to bring people back to faith in God. And let me say what an honor it is for me today to address each of you this morning, because God has raised each of you up likewise to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what an honor it is to be able to do that. But let me reiterate something, if I may. Before you'll ever be used by God to the degree that he wants to use you, uh, you'll have to be transitioned from being a John of Lattimore or a Jane of Chicago into being a preacher of the gospel or a servant of the Lord. And that transition will, will involve oftentimes trials. See, God wants to get you to the place and me to the place and us to the place to where we trust God above all else. But in terms of context here again, it was a very tough time, spiritually speaking, in Israel. They were on the wrong spiritual trajectory. Uh, and uh, there Ahab was in that day leading Israel away from God. But back in our text, Elijah came on the scene. He marched into uh, Ahab's office and he said, Ahab, uh, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. But let me ask you a question today. What would prompt an ordinary man from Tishbeth to speak out against a King Ahab? Well, Elijah was, as he said, standing before God. He was standing there 
uh, on the orders of God himself. And he said, hey, uh, Ahab, God told me to tell you it's not going to rain. And Ahab, it's your fault. And listen, that would be a little intimidating to do that to a king. Uh, and, uh, and can I tell you this, young people? God wants us likewise to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. By the way, everybody in this room today, whether it's faculty or, or student body or even visitors today, all of us have both a specific calling from God and a general calling. And that specific calling might be to be a pastor or a pastor's wife or a missionary or a missionary's wife or even just someone who serves God in a church and works a secular job. But while God has a specific calling for our life, God also has a general calling. And that general calling is God wants all of us to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. And see, God's calling for Elijah was to bring people to the Lord. But again, in order to transform him into being able to do that, God had to get him to the place to where he trusted God implicitly. So with that call of God upon his life, he stood in Ahab's presence and gave Ahab that directive. God said, it's not going to rain for years. It's not going to be a, you know, a, a seasonal drought. It's going to be a years-long drought. And it's your fault, king. And listen, when you make a statement like that to a man like Ahab, you're inviting problems in your life. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, Ahab had an army at his disposal and a wicked wife at his disposal. Uh, but then notice, if you would, God was looking out for him. In verse 2, we're told there again that God's word came to him saying, Get thee hence, get out of here, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook uh, Cherith that is before Jordan. And let me say that God was doing more than just protecting Elijah. God was in the process of preparing Elijah. See, in fact, you notice the word cherith there. Uh, the word cherith is a word that means cut off and cut down. See, cherith was in a very cut off place. It was cut off from most of society. Uh, there were no comforts of home there at cherith. There were no Starbucks coffees to waste your money in. There were no Walmarts. Uh, where you could go and buy, you know, your moon pies. They didn't have McDonald's or Chick-fil-A. While this place was cut off from everybody else and everything else, it was certainly more cut off than Elijah had been accustomed to. And the fact is, God was taking Elijah to a place where he would have to learn to depend only on God. See, again, God had a great ministry in store for this prophet, a ministry, again, of leading people to faith in the Lord. But before Elijah could ever fulfill that ministry, God would have to cut Elijah off and cut Elijah down to where all he could do was depend on the Lord. So he had uh, Elijah leave Ahab's presence and go to this cut-off place at Cherith. But you know something? One of the hardest lessons that we'll ever learn is to just... Trust God. I mean to say, Lord, I don't have an answer, but I'm just depending on you. That's a hard lesson to learn. But you know what? You will never, listen to me, you'll never 
help anybody else with their faith until your faith has become strong. Never. You can't take anybody where you've not gone, right? See, God is working at conforming you and me to the image of Christ every day. He's working at that. Uh, in fact, it says that in Romans eight twenty eight. But don't miss this. Sometimes God takes us to a hard place, to a place that is cut off so he can make us ready. And by the way, you'll notice in the text here, it was God who sent him to Cherith. This wasn't just, you know, just a happenstance thing. It didn't just sort of take place. God sent him to this place that was cut off. And, uh, you know, when God sends us to places like that, though, it, we have the tendency to want to be someplace else. Because who likes pain? Who likes sickness or financial struggle? Anybody like that? Who likes struggle? I don't. You don't. We try to avert those kinds of things. But what we need to learn is that if God sends us to a cherith, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's not trying to hurt us. He's just trying to make us more like Christ so he can use us. So if he sends us to a place that is cut off and cut down, well, listen, please, please, that's the best place for us to be, right where God sends us. And remember, uh, it is God who sent us there. But don't miss verse 4, please. After God told him to go to the brook Cherith to hide himself there, God said, Elijah, when you get down there, it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. Now stop there for a moment. That's kind of easy to believe, right? I mean, you get to this brook, you just kneel down and you drink water. That's easy to believe. But listen to God's next instruction. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you. Now, I'm 60 years old. I'll be 61 in a couple of days. And I've been on three continents. And I've lived a long time. But in all those years and in every place that I've been, even though I've seen many birds, I've never had one bird ever bring me a Big Mac. <laughs> never. Birds don't do that. But here Elijah is. He's, he's, he's told to go to this kind of place where it's, it's away from everything and everybody. And you've got water to drink, but I'm going to to cause these birds, these ravens, and again, ravens just don't do that. They're going to feed you uh, bread and flesh twice every day. You go to the brook, it'll give you water, and you eat from the birds. Now, do you see a problem with that? Well, what if I were to tell you, God told me to tell you that he's going to feed you today a steak dinner by letting a sparrow bring it to you. You would say, you're nuts. But I want you to hear this. Don't miss this. If God commands the ravens to do a thing, you can mark it down. It is as good as done. If he commands ravens to feed a prophet, it's as good as done. See, listen, God don't need Walmart to provide groceries for me. God doesn't need an outback to be able to feed me, God has the ravens at his disposal. And he told Elijah, you go hide by that brook, and I've commanded, that's God saying this, I have commanded ravens to feed you. 
The Lord was just trying to build his faith. And in order to be used by God, God needs to build our faith too. By the way, you know, you go to classes every day. I got to attend two classes today, excellent classes, uh, and I enjoy them very much. But I want to tell you this. The most important lesson you'll ever learn at ABC is to trust God and to trust His Word. I'm not saying that your other classes aren't important. They're very important. Do your very best. But if you take all these classes and make A's in every class and have a 4-0 average when you graduate and don't learn to trust God, you'll never help anybody with their faith. We need to know how to trust God. So Elijah, he took the step of faith. And God said, Elijah, go down there. And he knew what that meant. Go to this cutoff place. Uh, and when you get there, you'll have water to drink. And the birds will feed you. And Elijah determined to just trust God. He went down to the brook according to God's word. And just like God said, those ravens brought him bread and flesh twice every day. And here's the takeaway from that. Where God leads, God always feeds. Every time. Uh, and, and I've seen that in my life. And it's true. Where God leads, he feeds. Uh, and uh, he had plenty of water to drink from the brook. And he had plenty of food. I like to imagine, though, those ravens flying by Ahab's palace. Don't you? And I like to imagine them snatching bread and flesh off the table. But wherever it came from, listen, God did what he said he would do. But let me ask you a question. What do you think that did for Elijah's faith? I mean, he's obeyed God, taking a step of faith. And sure enough, he's, he's got his, his watch out, and there comes the birds. That must have built his faith tremendously. Uh, wow, God kept his word, and it built Elijah's faith and trust in God. See, that's what God does. He's in the faith-building business. One day, everything changed again. <laughs> Do you see a pattern? I'm speaking to Elijah. You better hide, Elijah, because Ahab's crazy. Get out of here. He gets down to the brook. He's drinking water. But in verse 7, it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. Wow. See, God had previously promised a drought, right? And there was one. And you know what happens in drought? Brooks tend to dry up, don't they? They dry up. So put yourself in Elijah's shoes, if you would. Say you're following God's leadership for your life. You've been willing to go to this cutoff place. You've been willing to trust God to even be fed by ravens when all of a sudden the brook runs dry. And you might ask yourself, what's going on here? Lord, I trusted you to follow you here. I want to be in your will. I'm doing what you told me to do. I've been proclaiming your word, and now the brook runs dry? What am I supposed to do now? Now, there's no indication that Elijah did that, but I might have had I been him. But again, God was trying to teach Elijah to trust not in the brook, but in God. That's fundamental. Let me say that again, lest you miss it. The Lord was trying to teach Elijah to trust God, not the brook. See, sometimes we people do that. 
We trust in the brook to provide water for us. Or we trust in our salaries or in our parents or in our abilities. But hear me, please. That's misplaced trust. You talk about your your abilities. God can take them from you just like that. You uh, talk about having food on the table. God can take it just like that. But you keep in mind, it is God who makes brooks flow. It is God who commands ravens. So we don't trust God, or we shouldn't. We uh, we don't trust the brook. We better trust God. Uh, And it is God who commands the birds and who gives us salary. In fact, I'm reminded of my wife's life verse, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. So young people, the message today is, is this, trust God, not the brook. And here's why brooks inevitably run dry. But God never does. In fact, by his very thought, God was able to bring the universe into existence. See, brooks depend upon God to give rain, right? Birds depend upon God to bring food to somebody. Uh, uh, But so often, when we don't learn to trust God while we're going through a trial, we can so easily become discouraged and think about quitting. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? It happens. And we we get to the place where we say, man, I've been doing all that I can and I just can't make this thing work, uh, and God's not providing for me, which is not true. But if we're not careful, we might just quit. But there Elijah was. He's been sharing God's word. He's been willing to go to some obscure place in the middle of nowhere that is cut off from society, and he's trusted God to feed him when all of a sudden the brook runs dry. But I love verse 8. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, here's this phrase again, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. On the one hand, God said, Hey, Elijah, I've commanded ravens to feed you, but now I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. See, Elijah had been commissioned to do a hard thing. He did it. He was then told to go down to the brook, and he did it. Uh, He then uh, was commanded to go to this place where this widow woman was. And uh, I wonder what he was thinking as he was traveling to her house. You think he was thinking, uh, I wonder if she's got chicken and dumplings on the stove. You know, widows can usually cook well in my church. I wonder if she's got fried okra or maybe mashed potatoes and gravy. Maybe she's got... I won't say carrots because that's not great, but maybe she's got green beans. Maybe she's even got fried chicken and the best potato salad ever. And I'm imagining she probably has some good old pecan pie. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And notice again, just like God said, when he came to the gate of the city in verse 17, behold, the widow woman was there, just like God said. So he's thinking, I could, can, I could imagine him salivating. Hmm. I can almost smell it now. And there she was gathering sticks. And he called and said, Hey, lady, would you please fetch me a little water that I may drink? Again, God was building his faith so that he could help her with her faith. And when he 
said that to her, she gave him a very, very, a very, very sad statement. She basically said, you know, I, I don't have a lot of food here. I've just got enough food for me and my son. And after we eat this, we're just going to die. Now, let me ask you a question. If, if you were Elijah, you've been at the brook drinking water. You've been being fed by birds. You've now been dispatched to this lady's house. And uh, you, you find out that, you know, God said she's supposed to sustain you. You have visions of fried chicken or turkey or roast beef or whatever. You have visions of that. And you can even almost smell the homemade bread in, in your mind. And all of a sudden she said, I'm sorry. All we have is a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil and that's it. We're going to die after that. What do you think you would do? Well, I love Elijah's response. As she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in mine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And I'm gathering two sticks that we may uh, uh, eat it and then die. But Elijah said in verse 13, I love this, Fear not. And go and do as thou hast said, but make me there of a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. Notice the next phrase. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. You know what he's saying? He's saying, lady... You just go do what I said because this is what God is saying. And I promise you this, based upon the authority of the word of God itself, you keep keep taking meal out of the barrel and God will keep putting meal back into the barrel. Where do you suppose he learned that lesson? Difficulty and trusting God and God providing. Difficulty and trusting God and God providing. Difficulty and trusting God and God providing. See, listen, God is not dependent upon barrels, upon birds, or upon brooks. He's only dependent upon himself. And if God says it, you can take it to the bank. And so she decided to step out on faith. And we know the story. The Bible says that she and he and her son did eat many days. She kept taking the meal out, and God kept putting it back in there. Here's the question, though. In fact, I, I thought about this myself. What would have happened to this dear widow woman had Elijah not come along? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, she had, her game plan was to eat one last meal and die. That's it. Because there's, no, there's nothing else in the cupboard. That was her only plan. That's all she could do. She had nobody to borrow from. That was it. They were all going through drought. What would have happened had Elijah not previously submitted to the call of God to go tell Ahab, it's not going to rain? Because had he not done that, he would not have had to have hidden, Right? And go to Cherith. And had he not gone to Cherith, he would have not have seen birds feed him like God had said. And then he would have never been dispatched 
to where she was. And I'm simply saying this. Had Elijah tried to skirt or avert problems that God allows into our lives, had he tried to just run away from them rather than learning the lesson to trust God, he would not have been able to help her with her faith. And listen, she and her son would have died of starvation. And you want to know a tragedy? If we as God's children and as God's servants, as those that God has called, if we don't learn the lesson to trust God above all else, to trust what God says and to do what God says because we depend upon Him, if we don't learn that lesson, there will be people who will die in their sins. What a tragedy. God wants you and He wants me to learn above all else to just trust God, not the brook. And if we'll learn to trust God, then every time God tells us to do anything, we won't say, why? Or I can't, or I really don't want to do that. If we just learn to trust that what God says is always true, it is always best, it is always for our good, Listen, if we'll learn that lesson, that'll motivate us. To, if God says, now I want you to go to the mission field, we'll go. We'll help others with their faith. Or we'll go to a city somewhere that doesn't have a good gospel witness and we'll plant a church and folks will get saved because we trusted God. Or we won't have enough faith to help that coworker on the job to help them to come to know Christ. I'm just saying this, young people, listen carefully. The most important lesson you'll ever learn in Bible college is to just trust God. I want to close with this illustration. Back in 1986, I was a student at Atlantic Baptist Bible College in Richmond, Virginia. And while I was there, I worked like many of you do. I worked, I worked two jobs to try to get through school. And I went to school full time, so it was a busy life. Uh, but, you know, it, it seems like a lot of times college kids are a little short on the bill sometimes. And it was that way for me. I was running short, and I was working hard, trying my best. And I had been given a letter from the administration stating to me that if you don't pay your bill by this time, you must go home. And you know what? I was, I was really worried about that thing. But I got up out of my bed at 5 o'clock that morning, the day of, when the note came due. And you know what I, I did? As I always, I got up and prayed. I got on my knees and I prayed. My routine was to get up and pray. Then I would make my bed up. So I, I went through my prayer time and I begged God, please provide for me. And then I lifted my pillow so that I could make the bed up. And you'll never guess what was under the pillow. Can anybody guess? It was an envelope. And I thought, that's weird. It wasn't there earlier. And it wasn't. At least I didn't think it was. I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm all over the bed when I sleep, so I, surely it would have moved. So I, I, I picked the pillow up. There's the envelope. On the envelope was a reference only Matthew 6.33. You know what the verse says? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and he'll, all these things will be added to you, right? I opened the envelope, and inside the envelope was cash to pay the bill. 
trust God, not the envelope. I don't know how it got there. I like to imagine an angel sent it. I don't know how it got there. I don't know. But the point is, I'm not trusting the envelope or even the giver of the envelope. And I'm not trusting in the brook. That built my faith to know I can trust God with everything. And as we learn to trust God and not the brook, not birds, God can use us for his glory and for his honor. But I want to encourage you young folks this. Just learn to trust God because he's a trustworthy God. Let's bow for prayer. Our Father, I'm so thankful today for the privilege of speaking to these young people and even to these these faculty and these visitors. And Lord, I, I guess the hardest lesson that I've ever had to learn was just to trust in you and your promises. But Father, I've been saved for a long time. I've been in the ministry for over 30 years. And Lord, I've learned over time and through trial that you are dependable. You've met every need of mine. You've met many of my wants. You've kept me safe when when death seemed imminent. You have provided miraculously more even than the way that I mentioned earlier. You've done things that I had to scratch my head and say, I don't know how, but thank you, Lord. And Father, I do thank you today. And Lord, you've taught me over these years to just trust in you. And Father, I pray for each of these young people today. They're in school and many are going through trials and difficulties. And Lord, I know you're just trying to increase their faith so that they learn to depend on you and only on you. And Father, the truth is, all of us might be facing some trial today. And Father, if you've sent that trial, help us to learn the lesson through it so that we may grow and become more like Christ through it. Lord, I just pray that you would bless these young people and bless the invitation if there is one. In Jesus' name, amen.